Leviticus teaching from John 17, 9 through 19 this morning. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Thanks, Kelly. Um, that is, uh, that's really good news, what Kelly just read to you. Um, and it is the, uh, the heart of what it means to be a priest. Um, we're in the middle of this series where we're talking about being equipped to serve, and then kind of within that are these three roles, or three offices of, of our giftings, and how we're equipped. Um, and this morning we talk about priests. And so last week we talked about prophet, and we defined prophet, and we saw... Uh, how there may be a prophet or two among us in our midst, and then look to Jesus for how he perfectly personified that gift. So I want to do the same thing this morning, only talking about priest. Um, and, and by the way, what, what Kelly just read was a prayer that Jesus made for you. Um, and I find that idea to just be astounding. Uh, consider that. Like, I know we're in church and Jesus and yet whatever, uh, but Christ... There was a time in, in history where Jesus stopped and he knelt and he prayed for you. And we just read it. That's, uh, that's pretty cool in my mind. So what is the definition of a, of a priest? I'm going to spend a little bit of time with that. Um, at, at, the, at the foundation of it, a priest is someone who brings people to God or connects people to God. So priestly gifts are gifts that God has given to you to connect your heart to God. Um, and I want to kind of think about two things. One is Jesus perfectly personified this gift always to its perfect extent. Always Jesus was perfectly priest. But there are also people that are in our world and in our midst, and we'll talk about some of them in a minute. There are people that their job, God has, has injected in them his priestliness, and then their, that person's job is to inject that into our world. Um, so uh, I want to bring two quotes to you and then two passages in Scripture where it kind of defines what a, a priest is. The Heidelberg Catechism, an ancient document, says this, By sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes, us continu- makes continual intercession with us to the Father. So there, is, there are a couple of pieces that this thing brings out. First is there's sacrifice of self. A priest sacrifices themselves for the benefit of another. And that's easy to see with Jesus, but I, also, I want us, as we continue to, to think about 
how we might have priestly gifts or how we might invest priestly gifts into our, our church, into ourselves, into our families, into our, our workplaces, into our schools, we, we need to consider that at the heart of it is a sacrifice of the body. But then it says intercession. He makes continual intercession to the Father for us. A priest is always about making intercession to the Father. It's taking up the cause of another. Um, this, this message, this sermon this morning is, is really like, it's important to me because like of all of the gifts that I have, I, this is, this is the, the one that, that I'm really drawn to. And, and I feel like it's, it's essential and vital for us in a world where religion tells you, do this and don't do that. And if you do this and don't do that, which we've told you not to do or to do, and if you don't do those things, then there's something wrong with you. And there, there's religion's job over the course of the centuries is to pound you down and tell you you're wrong or tell you where you're not right. The job of the priest is to come alongside the broken down person and whisper in their ear who you are. And so I hope that today is that for you. The London Baptist Confession, another ancient document, says this, because of our estrangement from God and the imperfections of our services at best, we need his priestly office to reconcile us to God, to render us acceptable to him. Look at that last phrase, the role of Christ as priest, the role of priest is to render you acceptable to God. So Jesus has already done that. So then the earthly role of priest is to just remind you of that. And if you've been here long, I think you can probably tell that that's the heart of who we are and, and who the voice that we want to say is, is to continually speak over you. That reconciliation has happened, it's done, it's, it's a fact, it's, it's in your past, and you can live acceptable to Jesus, acceptable to God. Um, have you ever, I've read through the Bible several times, and I've read this verse several times, and it's for the first time this week has exploded in my heart, and it's 1 John 2, 1. Um, I feel like there's, there's a sermon where just this verse is coming soon. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Look at that with me, the second half of that. But if anyone does sin, like we're all there, every one of us. Don't look at me, look up there. We all, this is us, we're sinners apart from Jesus, apart from God. But in Christ, we have an advocate. That's a priest. Like, think about the word advocate and what it means. Someone arguing on your behalf. Have you ever had that before? I remember a time when my oldest daughter was at this school and she had gotten in trouble for doing something I don't remember. And she hadn't done it. And... Like, I'm, I'm all about, like, God-given authority in, in a person's life, and I'm going to press her to submit to God-given authority in her life. But when she's falsely accused of something, I, I came up to the school and sat down with the, the principal at the time, and we had an hour-long conversation, and I was pretty frustrated and pretty angry. And 
the emboldenment that that brought about, the connection that brought about with me and my daughter was incredible. For, for a really long time, my willingness to go and argue on her behalf to, to someone who was imposing a penalty to her that, that was not just. The advocate. And this is your Jesus. And the thing is about that is you're guilty. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Like that phrase, Jesus Christ the righteous, he's in his advocacy, he's completely right and completely just in what he's done and how he's absorbed our penalty and and pleaded with the father continually pleading with the father on your behalf do you do you know like scripture teaches us in many places like understand this hear this right now jesus christ is advocating for you in this moment to god the father and he's right. That's a... I hope you're as encouraged as I am. If you sin, you have a perfect advocate. Romans 5, 1 and 2, another verse talking about the priestly nature of Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace. Peace is a possession that you have. Through him you have obtained access by faith into this grace in which you now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The, the point of these two verses, the point of the priestly gifts, is to convince you of the fact that you have every right and every authority to stand before God at all times. Are there, is there, are there enough absolutes in that statement? Every time, all the time, you have complete and utter access to God the Father because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's a priest. And, and my job as your pastor is to convince you of that all the time. That there is, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, there is never a time when you are not fully welcome into the presence of God, understand the depth of that. Even in the committing, in the actual act of your sin, you are at that moment perfectly righteous, perfectly able to enter into the presence of God. And anything that tells you differently is a lie from Satan and it's to be chased away. Satan accuses you of your sin. Tell him you're right. I'm filled with sin, but there's someone better. Jesus Christ, the righteous, who has done everything necessary to allow me to get to God. This is the priestly gift that Jesus has given to you all the time. The passage that we're kind of centering on for this little thing Mini series in this bigger series is Ephesians 4 12 and 13 to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The two pieces on, on either side of that, um, it's up there. Uh, it's the, this idea that to equip the saints is here. This equip word is to, to set broken bones. So the job of the gifts that God has given to you are to equip the broken bones of the saints. We're all in this room, sinners, broken. We're not doing it right. But God has given us gifts, prophetic gifts, priestly gifts, and kingly gifts. God has given those things to us to set our brokenness so that we can do ministry. And the goal of ministry is, at the end, that we might raise to the fullness of the measure of Christ. So God has given priestly gifts to you. God has given the gift of the words that I just said, that we complete, have complete and utter access to God all the time in, com, in completion, all the time. God has given you that gift so that you might rise to the fullness of the measure of Christ. Not so you might behave better, but so you might behold the beauty of Christ in a more perfect way. So let's get to some specific priestly gifts, all right? First, a priestly gift is a gift of mercy, and it's defined as empathy to those who suffer. So the, the merciful is someone who gives uh, empathy, not sympathy, empathy, like feeling and connectedness and doing something about it, empathy to those who suffer. Who do you think um, embodies the gift of mercy? By the way, that wasn't rhetorical. Anybody have any thoughts about somebody in our midst that personifies the gift of mercy? Charlie, tell me why. By the way, I think it's great that you said your husband. That, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful picture of the bond that God intends. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I think Ben and Stephanie Hammond, who are, by the way, somewhere on the way to Hong Kong right now, um, like their, the, the depth of their mercy and intimacy uh, and, and empathy are, uh, are pretty, pretty strong. Uh, second piece is shepherding. A shep- uh, Second priestly gift is shepherding. And shepherding is to nurture, to care, and to unite those in the body of Christ. To nurture, to care, and unite those in the body of Christ. Um, and I see, uh, Kyle, I see you as, as a shepherd. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, uh, we were hanging out last, the other night, Friday night. And uh, I was, my heart was shepherded by my friend Kyle. And that's crazy because, like, I'm the pastor of this church, and another word for pastor is shepherd. I'm supposed to be Kyle's shepherd, and here Kyle is shepherding me in a, in a difficult time and season. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. I, I, I really, I, I, like, so my gifts, I, I'm, I'm not king at all, and I'm a little bit a prophet. I'm mostly priest, and so this, like, this is really passionate for me to get to to say this, um, like there's there's nothing more important than in the heart of my life than to and to press you towards connectivity with God, and then when that happens to my heart by somebody in our church, thanks, man, that's a big deal. 
It's a really, really big deal. And the, and it's, so like, there's, there's the micro of the conversation that Kyle had. Kyle and I had at, um, at my dining room table at midnight on Friday night. I guess it would be Saturday morning. Whatever. There's the, the micro of that. But the macro of that is that, like, somebody using their gifts to invest in a person, equip, set broken bones, equip someone so that they might eventually reach the fullness of the measure of Christ. Like, that's, God gave you gifts to do that. And we can see little instances of micro. You saw it in, when you talked about Charlie and the merge. Like, the point of that is not so that you'll, like, love your husband more. The point of that is not so that we can connect in a, in a deeper way. The, the point of that is we rise to the fullness of the measure of Christ. And when you operate in your gifts, when you do what God has called you to do, you throw open the curtains for the people that you're investing in to see God more clearly. And that's the point of our existence. And I experienced that. Do you you see that? So like, press in. It's so vitally important for us. Uh, the last one I want you to see is exhortation. I'm going to ask you who, you who you see as an exhorter. Um, exhortation is a very religious word, and you probably only hear the word exhortation when you're talking about spiritual gifts. Has anybody ever heard exhortation in any other capacity other than spiritual gifts? I haven't. Um, what, what does exhortation mean? It means to strengthen, comfort, and encourage one to belief or to action. To strengthen or encourage somebody in such a way that they're, they're encouraged to act, to, to, to move, to do something. To go and stop just resting, but go and do. Um, who do you see, who in our midst do you see, or maybe not even in our midst, maybe a person outside of our, our group. Who do you see operating with this gift of exhortation, strengthening, comforting, encouraging someone to belief or action? I got one to give to you if you can't come up with one. Maybe I should give you moments to consider and think. Travis Wagner is a great exhorter. I don't know if you know that or not, Travis. You're an exhorter, big time. Big time. You, um, you embolden and encourage people to rise up to who God has called them to be. And you have done that um, for many in this church for a long time. Um, and you've done that for my heart for a long time, encouraging you, us to go and be who God has created us to be. Um, a lot of the value that this church has been for 10 years is because of your exhortation gifts. So well, well done. Way to go. Um, anybody else? Any other thoughts about an exhorter? Strengthening, comforting, comforting encouraging one to believe or action. Rebecca, if you could see my notes, Rebecca's name is on here. Tell me about that. Tell me why. Yeah, yeah, and she's, yeah, she is high priestly gift for sure. And like the passion of her heart is to connect people to God. Absolutely. Um, 
So let's, let's transition just a bit to see Jesus as priest in the high priestly prayer. So this is Jesus uh, a little bit before he's about to be arrested and be killed. Um, before we get into it, I want you to see uh, Jesus sacrificing and expressing his love and protecting us from Satan. So let's, uh, let's walk through this passage, starting in verse 9. Um, Jesus praying, and this is likely in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when Jesus is, is about to be arrested, and in just a few hours he'll be hanging on a cross. I am praying, by the way, that's just incredible to think of, a few hours from when Jesus prays this for you, he's hanging on a cross. That's sacrifice. If you know you're going to die in a few hours, you're likely thinking of you. Here's Jesus praying for you. This is the heart of a priest, willingly sacrificing themselves for the benefit of another. Man, if that could just like... Can we all just do that in our world? This broken world that frustrates you so much. Maybe God is just calling you to rise up and be that. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Very specifically, Jesus is praying for those who will believe in him. Verse 10, all mine are yours and all yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. By the way, when you act Christ-like and when you do Christ-like things, you bring glory, you bring attention to God. Verse 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. A heart of the priest is to not to make the heart of of Jesus was to make us one with God. The heart of the earthly priest, our role is to bring awareness to that fact. If you are a priest, your job is to make people aware that they are one with God. Verse 12, while I was with them, I have kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. This is a priestly, a priest is is a lot like a dad who's protecting his children. Jesus has guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction. He's talking about Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus is praying for you. He's going to be dead on a cross in a few hours. And Jesus is praying that their, your joy would be in them would be in you. I have given them your word and, your, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And this, is, this verse is a verse that people take out of context a lot. When you stand up for the authority of Scripture and you get mad and you yell at somebody and you say, well, Jesus said the world will hate me. There's... There's something that's priestly to this verse that's not about you just screaming and yelling at somebody. 
verse 16, 15, I'm sorry. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Do you, like the, this, is a, this is a prayer of the priest. I don't want you, this is a prayer of a, of a father. This is a prayer that I, I give for my, my kids all the time. I don't want to save you from tough circumstances. But I want you to be, I want you to be protected. Do you see the heart of a father there? Like, I don't want you, I don't want to take hard things away from you. I want you to endure hard things, but I want you to be protected from the evil one. That's exactly what he's saying. I don't want you to be taken out of the world, but I want you to be kept from the evil one. Again, he's coming to the Lord on your, on your behalf. He's being an advocate. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And now, verses 17, 18, and 19 are prophet, king, priest. Prophet, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying prophecy over you that you would connect with the truth of Scripture. Jesus wants you to connect with the Scripture. And that's the heart of a priest, is that you would, and this is, like I mentioned it last week, how, how the prophet, priest, and king are these triangles that kind of lean on each other. And so a prophet is, is of little value without a priest and a king alongside. A priest is of little value without a prophet and a king alongside. And a king is of little value without a prophet and a priest alongside. All those things working together. And Jesus perfectly personifies all three, prophet, priest, and king. And in his, his priestly prayer... He's underscoring the depth of the need to have a prophet involved in your life. To be sanctified by the truth. Truth is us acknowledging the depth of who Jesus is and what God has said to us through Jesus. That's the truth that Christ is pushing you toward there. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, he's talking about being a king And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. King's role is simply to to send you to go and do and go and be in this world. To go and be Christ, equipped to go. Verse 19, and here is where we'll end this morning. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. I want to stop and, and think about this word consecrate, to consecrate yourself, to set yourself apart for a specific task and a specific purpose. There's, there's something incredibly sacrificial about this. This is when Jesus says, when Jesus prays to the Father on your behalf, saying, I consecrate myself, it's meaning I willingly take less, I willingly set myself apart for a specific role, and that's to connect you to the Father. If you are a king, or if you are a priest, Kyle, you're a priest. Charlie, you're a priest. Travis, you're a priest. Part of that role means to willingly sacrifice, willingly take less for the benefit of another. If you're a dad, you are absolutely a priest. For your wife and for your children, you're absolutely a priest. 
And Jesus' prayer for you and himself in the midst of this is to consecrate yourself, to set yourself apart, to willingly take less for the benefit of another. And even any one of us who are priests, that's our heart. And, and, I, and it's, it's more than, than just like a religious duty. It's a passion, a desire to go and be this, to do this and do this well. Do you ever want to just stop and pray for somebody? You're probably a priest. Does that happen a lot? Second half of verse 19. And for their sake, I willingly take less for their benefit, that they may be sanctified in truth. Um. I, um, this is a, this is a, a season of our church where, um, it's kind of confusing to me. Um, so we're, we're kind of transitioning, right? And there is, uh, a newness to who we are and, uh, uh, where are we going and what's happening and I believe that God is calling us back to some simplicity of gospel. And I believe it's rooted there. And for their sake, we're, we're kind of taking the role of, of Christ in North County. For the sake of our community, we consecrate ourselves. We set ourselves apart for the benefit of another. We sacrifice ourselves for the benefit of another. I, I'm, I'm convinced that that is Rick Maxidon's role here in this, for the next 40 years of my life. We're talking about that. I probably have about 40 years of this world left. To willingly lay myself down for the benefit of another. And the, the, the point of that is to lead us to be that. We're not trying to be something that we're not. We're trying to connect hearts to God. And let's go. Um, here I am asking for your help to do that. Um, and the beauty is that there's, there's nothing that this ridiculous world can give to you that is more pleasure-filled than that. There are there are there are slumbering giants in this room. Do you hear me? I'm talking to you. There are slumbering giants in this room. 
that God is going to well something up and, and you're going to have a conversation that connects a heart to, to the Lord. Like, how cool is that? The wind that Kyle gave me on Friday night is like, it, I, I feel it in the depths of me. There's a slumbering giant in this room. And, I, and you're going to have a conversation with someone that connects a heart to God and, and is wind in their sails and blows them towards, moves them towards their perfect intimacy. And I don't know, like, I'm not a king, so I can't say this is what that looks like for you. All I can say is move, go, do something, please. Because eternities are at stake. Not just theirs, but yours. Let's, uh, let's pray and give you guys a chance to wake from your slumber. God, thank you that you brought us Jesus. Thank you that you brought us the great priest Jesus who connects our hearts to an incredible God. God, I thank you very, very specifically for my friend Kyle who brought me to God. I thank you very specifically for my friend Travis who spent years at this place connecting my heart to yours. And God, I I pray that you would wake us from our slumber, Father. That you would snap us out of the, the monotonous routine of life and church and work and kids and recreation and fun and stuff. You would snap us from the mundane monotony of that, Father, and, and give us a picture of how you have equipped us to plug your gifts into this world and into people's lives and change their hearts that they might be filled to the fullness of the stature of your Son. God, you are incredible. God, I pray for these moments as we respond, Lord, that you would allow us to see specific ways that you're calling us. God, I pray you would give us moments of intimacy now. Speak, Lord. God, I pray you would still our hearts and our minds if we just need to sit here and be quiet as others sing around us, as others move and, and maybe even distract us around us, Father. I pray for some in this place who, who know that I'm talking about them as a slumbering giant, God, I pray that those people would, would sit and listen to you, God, and that you would speak loudly and clearly, or even softly, Father. Just speak, God. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.